Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Maine Community Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Coastal Conversations with your host Natalie Sprinkle is up next. Good morning and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine Sea Grant Program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. We're about to engage in the heart and soul of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our coast and our communities. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. Today's show explores the relationship between tourism and quality of life at the local level. In some places, like Acadia National Park, overcrowding has become a challenge for both residents and visitors. In other places, locals and businesses are working together to improve community vitality. And in many cases, they're finding that what's good for tourism can also be good for the community and vice versa. So on today's show, we're asking how tourism and quality of life can coexist and even thrive together. So we've got some great guests in the studio today. We have um, Crystal Hitchings, who's uh, program coordinator with the Down East Acadia Regional Tourism, and she's also with the Washington County Council of Governments. Hi, Crystal. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Great to have you. We also have Cara Romano from Heart of Ellsworth. Hi, Cara. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And then we also have Alvian Kimball, who is a former in-owner, a retired in-owner, and he's with Down East Acadia Regional Tourism. Hi, Alvian. Good morning. I'm also a member of the Maine Tourism Association, and I'm pleased to be here. That's great. Great to have you, all three of you. Um, And also, we will be joined on the phone a little bit later in the program by Megan Mosier, who's with the Scudic Institute. So we've got a great lineup today to explore the intersection between tourism and community development and quality of life for residents. Um, I think we've got a good lineup and uh, excited to have all of you in the studio with us today. So... um, Let's learn a little bit about who you guys are and how you came into this work. Um, so, Alvian, why don't we start with you? You're a retired inn owner, and you're still quite active in tourism planning. So give us your story. So my uh, full-time, part-time job is with is the, uh, uh, sort of the coordinator for Down East Acadia Regional Tourism. And Down East Acadia Regional Tourism is a collaboration of tourism advocates in Washington and Hancock County. Um, and beyond, and our mission is to promote um, tourism and invite visitors to Washington and Hancock County. Um, And we're also very interested, of course, that's just a part of economic development, and um, 
our primary members are chambers of commerce, uh, but we also have a number of nonprofit organizations that are members, and we've just opened uh, an associate membership up to uh, businesses to help us and help expand our board and our reach into the community. And you came to this work via being an inn owner. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was a dual track. Uh, my wife and I uh, ran the Orland House Bed and Breakfast. It was a small uh, Just B&B. down the street. Just down the street on the mighty Naramissic River. And uh, I really got involved with Down East Acadia Regional Tourism over the naming of the Penobscot Narrows Bridge uh, and the opening of that. And um, I found out that there were grants available at the state level, uh, and we put in for one through uh, Down East RC&D um, and received a grant to help celebrate the openings of the Penobscot Narrows Bridge. And that was 10 and that was in, years It started ago? in 2003, and it was really in 2005 when we had the, a series of grand openings. That's great. That's great. Well, welcome aboard, Alvian. Um, Crystal, let's go to you next. Tell us a little bit about your story that got you here. I came through my role with Washington County Council of Governments. I grew up in Maine and moved back about five or so years ago to take a role as a regional planner uh, covering Washington County. One of my first tasks was coordinating the finalization of the Bold Coast Scenic Byway, which led to many other community and economic development related projects. And one of them was the role of coordination of the Down East Acadia Regional Tourism efforts through helping the board of directors and all of their many members and associate members uh, plan and implement tourism projects throughout the region. Great. So Alvian and Crystal, you guys um, are bringing in sort of the regional perspective. You work with folks all over the Down East region, Hancock and Washington County and beyond. Um, Cara, you're focused on a local effort, the heart of Ellsworth. So tell us a little bit about your story. Um, yes, my name is Cara Romano, and um, I am the executive director of Heart of Ellsworth. We started about three years ago um, with a lot of a lot of help with uh, from the Maine Community Foundation and the city of Ellsworth and a couple of other uh, local businesses um, in town. And we actually transitioned from being a downtown merchants association to becoming a 501c3 um, organization that's really focused on downtown revitalization. And things are going pretty well. We're sort of taking the focus right now of creating events in uh, in downtown Ellsworth, which I'm sure we'll touch on later on. Um, but we're also working on a level of uh, of tourism of trying to attract more of it to the greater to Ellsworth and the greater Ellsworth area um, by also focusing sort of on these shoulder seasons um, and having events and activities that not only appeal to uh, the local Ellsworth. Um, uh, folks who, who live there year-round, but also to tourists who would find their way uh, to Ellsworth and decide that they want to stay there for, for a little while and explore what's there to offer. Great. Thank you. Um, so so the, our topic today is to sort of look at tourism within the framework of community development and how the, what the relationship is between tourism and local communities. And um, so sometimes when people think of tourism, we think of challenges. Um, Acadia National Park, we had them on the show not very long ago talking about the transportation plan and how to address questions of crowding, which they're really trying to wrap their brain around. Um, but other times, tourism 
is an outcome of really um, deliberate local level initiatives um, that are trying to sort of balance bringing people in and quality of life. Um, so I just wanted to invite you guys to reflect a little bit on this bigger picture question of the role of tourism as it intersects with community visions and community development. Alvian. I was just at the uh, Aroostook County Tourism Symposium, their first oh, one uh, yesterday. And um, I guess the key teaching point from that was if, it's, if you enjoy living somewhere, it's worth visiting. And, of course, the converse of that is true normally. I mean, if it's worth visiting, you might enjoy living there. So as a former innkeeper, you know, I've, I could name people that live here now that used to be our guest. So we were sort of a, a window to the region and to the virtues of visiting the place and hence becoming a citizen. So it, it's a, yeah, a gateway drug to full-time, <laughs> full-time engagement and living in an area. That's great. That's great. What about you, Cara? How do you see the two intersecting? Because Heart of Ellsworth is seems to be very much community di- driven. What's the what's the link? Well, there's a lot of folks who end up maybe happenstance that find uh, the downtown um, area of Ellsworth on their way to Acadia or to Down East to the Skudik Peninsula um, or anywhere else sort of along the um, Down East, in the Down East region. Um, And we find a lot of folks who say, wow, this is a a year-round authentic downtown and we're so excited to have found all of these small sort of mom-and-pop shops and and mom-and-pop restaurants and this is such a gem, you know, do you live here year-round? And we get a lot of questions um, about folks who sort of start exploring after um, they originally come to Bar Harbor and then they feel maybe in August that there's a lot of folks there. And so we're sort of hoping that we can kind of work with local entities to try and find ways of attracting folks to come to Ellsworth and to experience Ellsworth as a a coastal year-round community. And how about you, Crystal? Especially from your perspective, you're based a little bit further down east, right? You you work regionally, but you're physically based in Mil- Millbridge? In Millbridge, correct. And, and my original um, realm of work really wor- was in Washington County, and it was down east Acadia Regional Tourism work that brought me into the much bigger regional perspective. So coming into this work from the perspective of a planner, and uh, my role being to help communities plan for their own future, it... Uh, economic development was a huge piece of that, but um, for me, it's about helping communities tell the stories of who they are and becoming the best communities that they can be for themselves. Um, and then, create, as Alvian said, creating a community where people want to live, that's what it takes to bring um, really successful tourism. If a, a community needs to be a happy and healthy place in order to have successful, sustainable tourism. Right. So if a community is a great place to live, chances are good it's a pretty nice place to visit too. Yes. So the more we can do to help communities support their goals in making themselves happy and and wanting to be there, then that supports tourism. Did you have something to add? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree that, you know, telling stories really is the, uh, the, best, the best way to get people to feel connected and have a sense of place. So. Yeah, great. Um, so let's, uh, let's wrap our brains around tourism trends, sort of get a, an understanding of what's the lay of the land in terms of visitation to the state of Maine. Where are people coming from? 
Are they mostly coming from out of state? Um, there's also the phenomenon of people from one region in Maine visiting another region in Maine, so sort of almost inside Maine tourism. What are you seeing? And I'm sort of looking to Crystal because I know you spend a lot of time thinking about these numbers as sure. a planner. Yes, and I have to keep track of the statistics a bit. In general, Down East Acadia attracts visitors from Maine and New England. Massachusetts is one of our, our biggest customers. Uh, you can understand why because it's close by. It's a drive market. We are unique in Maine, I suppose. Un well, unique in with Aroostook County as well and perhaps up in the Highlands. The northeastern parts of Maine attract a lot of visitors from southern Maine. So we do spend a bit of time um, trying to get the message out to people in southern Maine that we're here um, basically from um, Canada. There are several provinces in Canada on the eastern coast that are um, regular visitors to Maine, to the Down East Acadia region, mm -hmm. and then the mid-Atlantic states. Okay. But we really see them coming from all over the place, and um, they're coming from other countries. I, I fulfill brochure requests to people on a regular basis, and at some, sometimes I <laughs> go through the, the requests and sort of s figure out where they're mostly coming from, but they're coming from all over the country. And then how, so a lot of them go to Acadia, of course, um, so how does that compare with other parts of the region? For example, Alvian, your inn was in Orland, uh, a quieter part of the region than Acadia. Well. It Part of our mission as, as a regional tourism organization is to get people out to the, I'll call them the flanks of the empire. But you've got a primary uh, avenue of approach from Bangor <coughs> along Route 1A through Ellsworth to uh, Bar Harbor and Acadia National Park. Um, and in July and August, certainly, and increasingly even in September, there's it's hard to find a parking space here. I mean, they, they almost have more people, certainly the park does, than sometimes they can handle. So there's opportunity for them to see the same bold coast, the same ocean and woods and wildlife uh, in the head of, at the head of Penobscot Bay or down by Cobscook Bay as there is at uh, Mount Desert Island. So making people aware of that uh, is part of our mission. So helping people move around the region. And giving them the, what they need, you know, maps, brochures, a website to help them move around the region. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Cara, you're in Ellsworth at the intersection, right, of people going to Acadia versus going elsewhere. What, what have you been seeing in terms of trends of where people are coming from and where they're going? Um, with, excuse me, with some of um, our events that we've had, that's where we're able to really sort of interface with, uh, with the folks who, who find them. Um, in June, we have our Taste of Ellsworth event, which usually there's about, you know, anywhere from seven to 14 different restaurants. And at that event, we actually had folks sort of happen upon the event because it was happening outside in the middle of, of downtown Ellsworth. And we had some folks that found us um, from as far away as California, mm -hmm. which was pretty exciting for us because it was not ever the intention of the um, event to to be that. It was intended to be, um, you know, for the people um, of, of Ellsworth to sort of celebrate 
our downtown before we are sort of responsible for making everybody else's vacation a wonderful experience. Um, but right now we are trying to work on that quite a bit by reaching out to other communities. But um, as it stands right now, we are just starting to sort of embark upon how Ellsworth can kind of be a part of the uh, the conversation from a tur- tourism standpoint. We're just starting to delve into that right now just because we've been so much in the past three years kind of establishing our house, if you will. So. And give us the the sort of overview of what Heart of Ellsworth, um, you've been around for three years, sort of how you came to be and what you're hoping to do. Yeah, um, in our current um, phase right now, we are still sort of working on pulling in the, uh, the downtown merchants that was part of a 501c6 that we were before. And so right now we're really working with... Um, folks who are business owners and community members and trying to sort of establish the fact that there is a community organization that is very inclusionary and we try to pull people from the business sector, from the municipality sector, people who are community members, and also, again, this other piece that we're all here for today, which is the tourism. And so trying to sort of pull people from statewide and our municipality and trying to get everyone to come together and to sort of kind of help form Ellsworth's sort of new um, new face, if you will. Um, we have a huge, huge housing boom that's going on, and there's also uh, quite a bit that Jackson Lab has located now, new a new um, facility in our town, and there's so much new that's happening that I feel that Heart of Ellsworth right now is really servicing a sector of the demographic that has never really been serviced before, so we're sort of, sort of a little bit in the phase right now of kind of learning a little bit about who we are as an organization, and what the community needs us to be. Um, But again, this tourism piece is really important because during the summer months, of course, the merchants in downtown and the city in its entirety, um, we really want to attract folks to want to come to Ellsworth. There's so many things, more than I can name right now, that are great reasons to come and and stay for a little while in Ellsworth. So, Go ahead, Alvin. Yeah. I've got a question about the heart of Ellsworth and and the name of the heart of Ellsworth. And I I shop and dine in Ellsworth with some frequency. You've got some great ice cream parlors there, among other things, and a few great beer places, too. Um, But when I look at Ellsworth, I see um, several hearts of Ellsworth. You've got a good commercial district on Main Street. Uh, that has a parking challenge, but it's a great place to shop. And, of course, High Street is a great commercial district. Um, And historically and culturally, uh, all those assets are pretty much scattered throughout the town. But when I look at recreationally, uh, really you've got a waterfront that has a lot of potential. So I'm just wondering, you know, how many hearts you have and how you <laughs> how you get them all to beat together? Well, when we have been sort of asked that question before, and I think that a big part of it is is that there is a uh, a trend um, in Ellsworth and a lot of other communities that have this sort of this water asset to it, if you will, um, that sort of run through the middle of the uh, of the town. And there's been a lot of talk and a lot of interest by community members. Um, to sort of return and face to the river again. And that's something that I know that a lot of Heart of Ellsworth um, folks that are involved on a board level and folks that are sort of involved on a volunteer level are very interested in in sort of talking and having that conversation and figuring out how we can revitalize Water Street and State Street to sort of open 
up the uh, the river. And there has been talk from the municipality about connecting Harbor Park, which you may all be familiar with. The city has been um, sort of supporting that entity in growing quite a bit in the past few years. And we'd love to be able to figure out how we can work with the city and other entities such as the Chamber of Commerce and other nonprofits to sort of work to revitalize and connect Harbor Park all the way to sort of the center of where Main Street and Water Street sort of intersect. Thank you. Yeah. It, uh, it seems like that's so classic in our coastal towns that have rivers going through them where, you know, during the industrial era, the rivers were drove energy to do all kinds of manufacturing and mills and all that kind of stuff. And so now we're sort of in this stage of, wow, what do we, how do we reuse those waterfront areas to make them um, more appealing to folks who live there? Machias comes to mind as another example. Absolutely. Exactly. And with the Machias River Corridor and this conversation about hearts makes me think about um, what might be the, the arteries, which are um, so many of our regional trails and scenic byways. And I think about the Downey Sunrise Trail, which begins right outside of the heart of Ellsworth and how that connects Ellsworth with all of the other little heart communities like Machias and and the connection to Callis has now been made and we're working with connecting into New Brunswick through all of these scenic byways, regional trails, Down East Fisheries Trail, the Main Sculpture Trail. I like to think of them as um, sort of the, the spines or uh, the arteries, a really nice um, metaphor to use today of our entire region and, and using those as a way to help um, not only spread visitors around the region and move them out of some of the busier places into the smaller communities, but also helping the people who live here to learn more about the educational and cultural pieces that exist along those byways that we, we take every day. And can you tell us a little bit about the Downey Sunrise Trail, what it is for folks who might not know? Sure. The Downey Sunrise Trail is the easternmost section of the East Coast Greenway, which is a trail that runs, it's a bicycling trail that runs from Florida, Key West, Florida to Calais. And the Downey Sunrise Trail is 87 miles of multi-use trail. It is um, open to ATVers, snowmobiles, horseback riders, bicyclists, pedestrians, etc. But it is the longest contiguous section of the East Coast Greenway, which is mainly intended to be an off-road bicycling trail. Oh, neat. And it goes through the whole region? Yes, it begins in Ellsworth, and it runs all the way to Ayers Junction currently, which is in the Perry-Pembroke area. But there are now connecting trails that get it all the way to to Callis. Um, and the hope is that someday the entire rail corridor will be a finished trail. But there are there's a section that needs to be completed. And it also parallels uh, Downey Sunrise Trail, uh, another national <coughs> trail or road network, and that's U.S. Bike One that covers pretty much the same thing. I, I know that because there's a little green sign in Orland <laughs> that says U.S. Bike One, but it goes from um, Florida to Callis and, and Eastport. So that's you see a lot of people in spandex or shorts <laughs> sweating hard uh, going up hills in the area. They're on uh, the U.S. Bike 1. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations here on WERU with your host, Natalie Springle. Um, Our show today is about tourism and community development in the Downeast region. And the folks you've been hearing in the studio, you just were hearing Alvian Kimball from Downeast Acadia Regional Tourism. He's also a retired inn owner and quite active with the Maine Tourism Association. Um, Before that, you were just hearing from Crystal Hitchings from Downeast Acadia Regional Tourism and the Washington County Council of Governments. And in the studio with us today, we also have Cara Romano, who's the executive director of Heart of Ellsworth. Um, We're hoping to catch Megan Mosier from the Skudik Institute on the phone here in a couple minutes, but we're having a hard time connecting, so we'll keep trying there. And um, so we're talking about tourism and community development, and we're talking about really interesting local initiatives. And we've heard a little bit about um, Heart of Ellsworth, and I want to dive in a little bit deeper and hear about some of the some of the programs that you guys have going. I know you just had a governor's forum a little bit ago. Yeah, uh, we have have four candidates for city council. And so this past Wednesday night, uh, we had uh, the first ever uh, meet the candidates evening, which is part of a larger program called Community Conversations. We host seven of them a year. And um, they range in topics of issues that are sort of facing our community or just topics that would be of interest that we've had uh, requests to uh, to highlight, um, but we did. We had a great uh, a great event. We had all four uh, candidates for city council come out, and we had Stephen Fay from the Ellsworth American as our moderator, and uh, we had questions from the audience, and uh, we had quite a few people attend, um, and actually quite a few demographics of uh, age demographics of folks that were in attendance, which was very nice, and um, a lot of questions were answered, and I think this is the first one ever that we've we've been able to uh, to have. So it was nice to be able to educate the community so that they were getting able to get out the vote. Great, great. Um, so I think that we have Megan Mosier on the line from the Scudic Institute. Hi, Megan. Good morning. Great to have you. So Thank Megan, you. tell us a little bit about this, what the Scudic Institute is. Scudic Institute is located in Winter Harbor at the former Navy base. Um, we are a nonprofit partner with Acadia National Park. Um, We have a full campus with housing and food services, meeting rooms, a beautiful auditorium that seats 125 people, and we're open all year. We host um, nonprofit groups, scientists, researchers, students, artists, bird watchers. Um, This year we were host to two national um, meetings, the Wilderness Habitat Education Program, which was through Fish and Wildlife and the 4-H group, as well as the Organization for Biological Field Stations. Those were two big anchors for our season. And I know that uh, actually today, my sixth grader from Bar Harbor is finishing up three days at the Scudic Institute involved in a sea camp program. So I know you guys do a lot of stuff with the local schools too, which is great. We do. Between uh, Labor Day and Thanksgiving, in a typical year, we host roughly 700 middle school students from throughout the state and and outside of the state as well Uh, and those are residential programs that's called Scudic Education Adventure and that's organized and facilitated through Acadia National Park where the we're the house for that but they do all of the programming with volunteers and interns and staff so you guys the Scudic Institute you're based there on the Scudic Peninsula and your um within Acadia National Park. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you think, 
what's sort of this question that we're we're talking about today around um, tourism and its relationship to community development? You have Winter Harbor. Um, the park just recently opened the new campground. What do you what do you view as your role as a as a nonprofit? And I know you're involved in some of the regional initiatives as well. Well, you know, I really see us as growing and becoming a real um, wonderful attribute to this community. We are getting busier and busier every year. We feel as if our um, obligation, if you will, is to to enlighten local people, to offer um, programming and um, tours. We do a lots of free open to the public lectures and films to get people thinking and get people collaborating. Um, we try very hard to integrate ourselves into the community. We're very involved with um, DART, uh, with the Ellsworth Area Chamber of Commerce, Heart of Ellsworth, hi Cara, um, and the Skidik Chamber of Commerce. We're also, um, you know, have great ties to Mount Desert Island. Um, we really try to reach out to make our um, more and more opportunities available to local people. And uh, one of the groups that you just mentioned that you collaborate with is DART, and we have two folks who also collaborate a bunch with DART and work with DART. DART is the Down East Acadia Regional Tourism Group. Um, and I know that you're deeply involved in helping organize an upcoming tourism symposium. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So that's on November 8th in Machias. We're very careful to sort of bounce this symposium around the region, if you will. Last year it was in Bucksport. Um, this year, Machias. Next year, we're heading over to Deer Isle and Stonington, that area. The venue hasn't yet been decided. Um, this is an opportunity to bring um, professionals together. I say that because it's not just um, members from nonprofits. It's business owners, but it's also community members who have a vested interest in promoting tourism within our region to networking, learning about how tourism is being directed, if you will, and being funded and supported from a state level. It's a great opportunity for anyone who has the least bit of interest in tourism in the region. It's always a fun day. Um, we always have a really robust agenda. Um, this year, we our theme is balsam and blueberries and bicycling, oh my, <laughs> um, focused really on that Washington County seat. Um, so it's open to anyone, but we're encouraging folks to register. We're expecting roughly 100 people. There's a really nice lunch catered by a local woman. Um, it's at the Pellin Center, and you can get on the Down East Acadia Regional Tourism site um, for the link to register. Great. And, and the date is? November 8th. Okay, great. And folks can register by going on the Down East Acadia Regional Tourism site? Actually, we are not able to put it up on the Down East Acadia okay. Regional Tourism site, um, unfortunately, because of the uh, platform that we share with our um, oh, right. technical difficulties. <laughs> our tech, yes, technical difficulties. So perhaps you could give people the link, Crystal. Thank you. Yes. Um, please call 546-3600, anyone listening to the show, and I will give you the link. Perfect. Thank Great. you. I'm Thank sorry you. for that. Um, Megan, what's, what do you see... <clears throat> What's your prognosis for the future, sitting down there in on the Scudic Peninsula, um, which is, it, it seems like the Scudic Peninsula is in a sort of a time of change and growth um, with the new 
park with so or with a new campground rather with so many local initiatives um, from the communities down there and with the presence of the Scudic Institute how do you see um, the interaction between tourism and the community say in 10 years well it's sort of um, it's a little scary in some regards I, I grew up here I've been working in this industry in this area for 32 years. I took a, a, about 10 years off. I went to college and moved around and, and worked in the hospitality business elsewhere. Um, but since I've come back, it continues to grow. I ran a cafe for three years and then a bed and breakfast on this peninsula for 11 years. And, and I keep thinking back, there was a man who came into our cafe many years ago and he said, when are we going to have um, parking meters on this street? And I said, never. And now I drive through in July and August and I think, are we ever going to have parking meters in this town it's getting busier and busier you know more people are opting to make this area their home base and then travel you know do day trips to the different regions um we have two ferries that run their passenger ferries that run from winter harbor from the skiddick marine center on sergeant street across to bar harbor um, the ridership is enormous there's an island explorer bus that runs this route from Memorial Day to Labor Day, roughly. Um, I think they still do weekends in the fall between um, Labor Day and Columbus Day. Um, so, you know, more and more people are coming here. An interesting uh, number for our little visitor center at the Skiddick Institute is that in 2015, we had roughly 7,000 visitors come through our welcome center at Rockefeller Hall, and now we're up to nearly 14,000. So that's in the last four years we've seen this sort of growth. Of course, some of that can be attributed to the Skiddick Woods Campground that opened around that same time. Um, I don't know what the future brings. You know, we have a lot to offer here. We have Skiddick Arts for All, which is a an amazing arts organization that certainly gets lots of attention um, from people around the world. They just celebrated their 20th anniversary, and they really do indeed um, have the audience of people from all over the world. Um, and it's you know that's a really nice addition. We have a really well-rounded um, offering here. We have Littlefield Gallery that um, continues to receive accolades nationally. Um, lots of really nice offerings for people who want to kind of make this their home base while they're while they're traveling. And then more and more people who are moving here all the time. I ran into people who stayed at our bed and breakfast um, every day who ended up buying property here and live here now. And, and that's really nice. Often those are people who are giving back to the community. But I don't know what to expect in 10 years. I, I have three children who I hope will stay here. And I'm hoping they're not going to be, you know, kind of outpriced, if you will. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting 10 years. And, you know, I think that the key is staying in control of it, being proactive and, um, and being involved and um, that sort of thing. It's a real balancing act. I think you illustrated that. Uh, really clearly and your personal connection really kind of brings that to the fore. So I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon and see you on the Scudic Peninsula. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank you, Natalie. 
So that was Megan Mosier from the Scudic Institute, um, and you're listening to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. If you want to join the conversation about tourism and the balancing act that Megan was really talking about very personally between the growth of tourism and the opportunities that tourism can bring and how that can intersect um, at the local level with local community development initiatives and how local communities like to view their, want, want to view their future and want to be engaged in the planning for their future. Um, please feel free to give us a call. Um, uh, our toll-free call-in number is 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-WERU. We welcome any comments or questions from uh, you listeners for our guests in the studio today. So um, that that uh, I feel like Megan really touched on some really important issues um, that I know that folks involved in tourism planning wrestle with all the time, which is what's the balance between growth and um, sort of the issues that she brought up, the quality of life issues at the local level. Um, how, how do you how do you think that through, Alvian? What are some of your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, it's a challenge. Uh, in most places, it's a challenge of getting enough people to visit uh, that want to stay. Um, that's not a challenge generally on Mount Desert Island. Um, and uh, Ellsworth is uh, where uh, the, the challenge and the virtue of increased visitors are probably uh, balanced. Um, so a, a lot of it goes back to educating people of the value of tourism, the value of having visitors uh, to, their, to their towns and, and local area. And, um, and, and then on a real local level, a, a prohibited word in down east Maine is the, the Z word would be zoning um, and, and how you do that to accommodate uh, growth, uh, the natural resources that we have and cherish and uh, the, 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 what the local pe- folks, what we want to do with our towns. And so educating local governments, uh, selectmen and county commissioners uh, is, is something we need to do better. And um, Crystal and I look forward to uh, talking to the Hancock County Commissioners about tourism. I, I think uh, there, there's some progress that we can make with them. And um, we do have several communities, like Bucksport uh, purchased a half-page ad in Maine Invites You. Uh, the town of Castine works with their Merchant Association and their Historical Society to uh, help promote Castine. Um, and then historical societies or another other 64 historical societies in down east maine so and some are pretty big and and, and uh, well organized and funded uh, the castine historical society and the um, mdi historical society um have, have good roots and um can be very helpful promoting tourism and growth in their towns so it seems like there's really uh, two different kinds of tourism in our region that folks are trying to figure out how to manage around. One is the areas that get a lot of visitation. How do you how do you manage that visit visitation when there's a lot of it? And then other parts of the region which are interested in um, getting more people. Historical societies would love to have more people coming through their doors. Um, I think that we have a caller. We have David from Brooklyn. Welcome to the program, David. Hi, thanks for the show. It's always really, really interesting. Oh, I can't uh, quite make you out. It's Go always ahead. A really, it's always a really interesting show. And I, I just, uh, I'm thinking about a, 
situation we've got here in the uh, in the Brooklyn Blue Hill continuum, uh, uh, which we uh, which definitely relates to the, the subject of tourism and Great. how to maintain scenic interest. Uh, there's a there's a beautiful reversing falls uh, bridge uh, in between Brooklyn and Blue Hill. Uh, the bridge is owned by Blue Hill. Uh, it's on Blue Hill land. Not it's owned by the state. It's a state highway, uh, and it's been increasingly poorly maintained over the years. Uh, it was built in the 20s. The cement uh, arch structure, absolutely beautiful, and so is the uh, the environment around it. Uh, the the uh, rocky small islands and the reversing falls themselves uh it's, it's been known as a beautiful spot way back by even by the natives who uh, have considerable uh, uh remnants of their own civilization scattered around here and there and it's up for uh it's up for uh re uh building i guess i have to call it but uh, there have been three options, three ways to replace it. And one of the options uh, has been to totally bypass the old bridge and the Indian uh, uh, mound and locate a new bridge on yet unowned land, uh, unpossessed land by the state, uh, down the road a little bit from that bridge and, and let the bridge revert to local uh, community uh, control and maintenance. Uh, and and use uh, mm -hmm. so that it would not uh, have heavy traffic and it would remain the beautiful spot it has been for since the 20s uh quite well functioning and the, the, the only problem with that option of course is that it's very expensive it's uh, yeah. twice as expensive as any of the other options and it's probably not going to be chosen because the state has to uh put the bill and the state's uh, you know looking to save all the money it can and we'll probably get a, a pretty uh uh, uh, basic rudimentary bridge across instead of this other beautiful structure and the scenic uh, interest of the spot will be, I, I'm afraid, vastly diminished. And we don't really, I haven't been able to find any leverage. I live in Brooklyn. Uh, the, the bridge is owned and, and uh, uh, administrated by the, the town of Blue Hill in conjunction with the state. Uh, they're the ones who are conferring about what to do with it. And, uh, so it, so it sounds like your 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 comment is really around um, the the maintenance of these really important community places. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, there's no there's no handy in, there's no handy uh, 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 retail outlets that are going to you know like yeah. be attracted by this. It's pure history, you know, and it's all local, you know, local folks that that are you know involved in it. The people who live along the road and. The, the kids who like to jump off the top of the bridge, yeah. much to the chagrin of the very <laughs> concerned, you know, like safety-conscious uh, contemporaries we have uh, bedeviling us now. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I just a... wanted to put that out there. It's, just a, it's a very interesting situation. It's, it's, to me, because I live close to it, it's, it's, about, it's about to go down, you know, and I don't yeah. think there's much can be done about it, and it, it makes me sad enough, so I wanted to call you up and at least mention it on the air. Well, th thanks for bringing our attention to... to exactly some of the challenges that that we face in our communities in terms of community thank development so so thank you david for your call um, okay great thanks um so so this question of maintenance of those places that are really important for locals as well as visitors and i 
think that he is talking about the reversing falls that about 25 years ago I took my whitewater kayak and went and played in the waves very beautiful spot um, so how, how what's the what's the role of maintaining these incredible sites I know Alvian you've been involved in in some of this work with the the bridge across the Penobscot River um, and uh, what what do you what do you guys think what how do you work with for example the Department of Transportation and others and uh, and then we'll take another call in a second well, I think the first thing is just what David did, and he called in. It's community involvement. So getting citizens, getting the local citizenry involved in their local community, uh, in, in tourism and promoting the economy and education is important. And, uh, you know, turning out to vote uh, next week on Tuesday is a big, big deal. So we have to let our, our voices be heard, make our voices be heard. And um, I thank David for calling in. As far as money goes, uh, we can talk about money and tourism in a few minutes. But uh, I know the having worked with the main Department of Transportation on the promotion and opening of the Penobscot Narrows Bridge and Observatory, uh, they normally do a very good job of vetting that with the local community and running local charrettes and that sort of thing. So, you know, working with the town and working with Maine DOT, um, hopefully concerned citizens can make their collective voice known and get a consensus and come up with a, something that works. Great. Funding that is something that's a whole different, a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, let's go to Sean from Orland. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Great. Great. What's on your mind? Oh, well, I've really been in, enjoying the talk. I'm the uh, land source of the Great Pond Mountain Conservation Trust. And oh, great. Talking about you know the low-impact recreation of uh, economic development, community development, bringing for us, but also making life better for local folks. Really, um, you're talking my talk there. And uh, hi, Cara. Hi, Albion. Um, hi, Sean. Hi there. I've been working with the um, local chapter of the New England Mountain Bike Association and talking to uh, snowmobile clubs about increasing recreational trail opportunities um, around Orland and Bucksport as part of, you know, trying to help Bucksport continue to be a wonderful place to live and, and play. And um, really, my, my dream is to be able to connect the, um, the trail systems that Bucksport has invested in, in the community, in the downtown and near the schools with the wildlands through existing snowmobile corridors and whatnot. And I'd like to just hear you folks um, talk a little bit more about the um, the wisdom and in investing in low impact recreation um, projects like this uh, as a town or as various organizations and what what that does for communities you know of other projects or examples and just um, talk about that type of thing great and uh, what it does for our people thank you Sean that's a great question and um, I'm glad you glad you called in and uh, I know Crystal's been involved in a lot of planning for low-impact recreation, biking, and otherwise. So uh, thanks for your call, Sean, and let's hear what Crystal has to say. Hi, Sean. Yes, low-impact recreation planning, I think, is critical to our communities all over the region, all over the world, really. Um, one, several. It's such a multifaceted <laughs> piece of the conversation. Um, not only does it preserve our environment um, for now and for future, um, and invite it invites people to come in from other places and learn about 
the, the place, learn about who we are and what's important to us. It helps people who live here now learn about um, the assets that we have right in our backyards and learn how to be responsible stewards for the future of the communities. I think that um, there, there are certainly a lot of conversations around the communities these days about the um, challenges between <laughs> preservation land, conservation land, and issues with property taxes, and um, that's a whole another conversation in itself. But there um, are certainly some for for community members who need more statistics and data. There are beginning to be some tools that we can use. Um, I have not really used them very much myself, and they're very new, but there's going to be a conversation about them soon, actually, at the Skudik Institute. And um, I'm sorry I don't have the details about that in my hands, but call Megan at Skudik Institute, and she can hook you up. Um, conversations about um, the value of recreation and conservation land to communities, and how can we um, put a number, put a figure um, on that so that we can take that information and talk to community leaders and leaders at the state level and national level and help them understand why it's so important to um, contribute funds and support to those efforts. Just to add something to what Sean's topic, um, mountain biking is something we're doing a lot more of. There's a lot of potential for in, in Washington County um, and, and certainly Mountain biking, when you look at millennials who like to do that sort of thing, uh, I'm on the other end of the age spectrum. I, I'm, you know, doing that is, <laughs> is wishful thinking at this point in my life. But um, if it attracts millennials, it'll attract their children. They'll be having children pretty soon. That makes us a better place to live. So if we can offer them what they want is recreationally, culturally, spiritually in Maine, uh, they're more likely to live here. Mountain biking is a great way to uh, lure more people here and uh, show them what we have to offer and take advantage of our, very carefully, take advantage of our nature-based resources. Yeah. Um, thanks for that call, Sean. And uh, you, you, all of you were just talking about how do you, um, how do you quantify the value of these initiatives um, in local communities? And that we were just talking about um, outdoor recreation, but that applies also to sort of community events like festivals and and um, other kinds of community events like you've been doing in Ellsworth, Cara. Can how, what's how does that work for you in terms of how um, you you engage sort of decision makers in understanding the value of these kinds of initiatives? Yeah, we work um, very hard and, and, and sort of have to by, by design of, of, um, of money that um, we, we try to employ a lot of volunteers for each of the events that we do. Of course, our whole um, board of directors is all, are all volunteers. And we try to encourage folks in the community um, to sort of get out and to uh, tell us what it is that they want to see in their community and in their downtown and trying to pull people in to become a part of something. And that's, that's going to be the success of our organization. And knowing that we have an election coming up very shortly, um, I would love to give you each a minute to sort of share what 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 would you like the new governor to pay attention to? Tourism. <laughs> give us more, Alvian. <laughs> well, you know we're we're not just a, a, a state that makes its money by extraction of natural resources. Uh, first of all, when we look at fishing and a number of other things, uh, the wood products industry, we need to make more things. I mean, we need a lobster processing plant here. We've got some great fishermen. Uh, but from a tourism standpoint, you know, if 
you can get on a, a boat with someone and, and see how they're, you know, catching lobsters. Uh, that's good. And tourism is 16% of the, of the income that comes in, the tax income in this state is tourism-based. Um, it's the largest, if you look at it as an industry, the largest single industry uh, in the state of Maine. So um, I think promoting tourism and inviting more people to come and visit uh, is, is really uh, worthwhile and merits uh, more attention than our current governor has normally given it. So uh, I'm looking forward to working with whoever the next governor is to promote Downey's Acadia and the rest of the state. Great. How about you, Crystal? What would you like the next governor to pay attention to? I would like the next governor to come and visit our communities. I think that there is a lot going on in our small communities, especially in the more eastern parts of our Down East Acadia region and more northern parts um, that aren't seen. There's some amazing people doing wonderful things, and those initiatives are so important to the communities. And um, the, I think that the more, more and more of our politicians need to come, and um, we'll take them on a tour. And t- tell us about one or two of those initiatives that are happening right now that you think are particularly relevant for this conversation of tourism intersecting with communities. Sure. Well, I think about, for instance, um, I was speaking about regional trails before. Um, the, the Scudic Scenic Byway is a, a national scenic byway. We have five of them in our region. But this, for instance, the Scudic Byway Committee has done a great deal of work over the past couple of years, and they just launched this amazing Kids Quest program where they've created all of these um, interpretive panels that are geared towards younger people, and they're bringing that information into the schools. They had some funding to bring their Kids Quest information into the schools. So what it's doing is helping the youth in our communities learn more and more about the communities that they live in, which creates, again, that sense of stewardship for the future and also a sense of pride in the place that they live and probably, hopefully, a greater potential for the future for staying in that community or returning to that community and doing things to help it along. So I think um, helping our youth connect with the places in which they live and learn about the opportunities, the potential for them in their communities, rather than um, letting them continue thinking that there's nothing for them to do and that they need to go away in order to have the experiences that they might want in life. Great. Thank you. What about you, Cara, from Heart of Ellsworth? What would you like the next governor to pay attention to? Um, I think that the historic preservation of our downtowns here um, in the state is really important. Um, It's really important to sort of take a bird's eye view of this country um, on a whole and to see that we sort of have these authentic downtowns, you know, here in Maine and other surrounding um, states. But particularly here in Maine, a lot of them are largely intact and still, and they may need a little bit of of love here and there. But um, we have these great wonderful structures that have are largely untouched and it's something that's commonplace to a lot of us I think that live here and these are our home base our home communities but when we have visitors that come from other areas of the country I mean they are absolutely wowed by the Grand Theater they're absolutely wowed by places in and around Ellsworth that we all just sort of it's commonplace for us we don't see so it would be nice to sort of have uh, have a little bit of protection and um, a little bit of uh, more maybe sort of tourism dollars sort of to highlight uh, these particular communities that are year-round working communities. 
to reinforce what Kara said, the, the Main Street downtown program is is, is a vital or, or certainly potential uh, source for energy and coordination to promote our historical uh, past. And um, the other thing on the gubernatorial level is embracing national efforts and assets. So we have the Acadia National Park, and we also have now the uh, Katahdin Woods and Waters. And uh, getting more people to the latter uh, up by Millinocket and uh, traveling between uh, Acadia National Park and, and Millinocket uh, is a boon to the state and, and the whole uh, region and, and Bangor in particular. So uh, I'd like to see the national assets that are here to include the wildlife refuge areas uh, embraced by uh, state leadership. Yeah, um, I'm really struck by, Cara, your comments that we take our downtowns for granted. You're right, we do. We go through Ellsworth and it feels like just our downtown, but has so much so much potential and so much amazingness right there. Yeah. Um, uh, unbelievably, we are at the end of our hour. The time always goes by so fast on this show. Um, so uh, our show today was about tourism and community development. We have lots more that we could talk about, and we might have to reprise this topic on another show. Um, so I wanted to especially thank our guests. Um, first, here in the studio, we had Crystal Hitchings from Down East Acadia Regional Tourism and Washington County Council of Governments. We also had Cara Romano of Heart of Ellsworth, and we had Alvian Kimball from Down East Acadia Regional Tourism, and also a retired inn owner from Orland um, and a uh, active in the Maine Tourism Association. And earlier on the show, we had Megan Mosier from the Scudic Institute. I also wanted to thank David and Sean for calling in with your um, great perspectives on these issues. Um, thanks to all of you who listened. Um, our next show next month, the four day, fourth Friday of the month, uh, we'll be sharing some stories from the nation's working waterfronts, a little bit of a bigger scope. Um, Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good morning. Mm -hmm.